0: I wanted to start this morning and I'm going to try and be encouraging. I want to encourage us, but my encouragement's gonna look a little different. Because I was asking God during the during the week, I was praying and saying, Lord, what what is 2021 for, for me and for Jess and for this house and for this community? What what is it? And and I was saying to God, I don't want a word. I, I don't want to come with one word and, and try and toss something out that we've all got to try and inspire to. I just I just didn't feel that that was what it was and I was I was just praying and I was praying and praying and praying and, and saying, God, how do, I, how do we follow who you are? How do we follow you? And I heard God just say to me, just listen to me. Learn how to hear my voice and listen to me. So as we've all, obviously, if anyone's on Facebook and I'm on the verge of getting off Facebook, the very rare, I was on it once this week because I haven't, I don't have it on my phone and I've been away, but there's a mess. Not just on Facebook, but there's a mess around the world at the moment, and not just in the States, but here, all over the place, you know. And and there's there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff coming out, and I was saying to God, Lord, I just want to know You. I don't care who tells me. I just want to know You. I don't want to be caught up in this mess and caught up in all this stuff. I just want to hear Your voice. So I was praying and I said, Lord, what, what is, what is Your word for us? What What are You showing us? And He sent me to Habakkuk. So if you've got a Bible on you and you've been maybe some of us have never been there I don't spend a whole lot of time here often because it's a funny book but if you go to Habakkuk go to the New Testament and then flip back four books and you will be somewhere around Habakkuk But as I was praying God revealed something to me through this book and I'm not going to I'm not going to tackle everything that's in here cuz I I, I want to try and do it this morning, But there is something I want to deal with before we get there, and I'm not going to give any specifics to it. I just want to deal with something that I'm seeing quite often, and that is the importance of prophecy. Prophecy is important in our day to day. If you can find it in here that there is no longer prophecy, I would love to meet with you and see it because I want to know. I have looked this thing up and down. I have heard sermon after sermon I cannot find that prophecy is not for today. But we do have a brokenness in prophecy. We do have a, a kink in the prophetic ministry that's operating in, in the church today. And I just want to deal with the, the authenticity of, of prophecy. We believe that this book is the inspired word of God. God will never contradict himself. God will not say something that contradicts this. So if you see a prophecy that's not in here, Thank them politely and then go on your way and say, God, I cannot see it in here. I do not need to carry it. But the other thing is, is that if somebody gets something wrong, if they prophesy something and it doesn't come to pass, that doesn't mean that prophecy is not for today. Why? Because there's so many intricacies in a dream, a vision, or a word that comes to somebody. So many intricacies. I can see a hat on the floor, and through my world view, I go, well, that must mean something. So I carry on explaining what that means, but I've actually missed what God is trying to say to me. So I'm not here to say that specific prophetic words that are floating around at the moment are right or wrong. What I'm here to say is go to your knees and ask the Father to reveal what's important to you. And when He shows you something in that time of prayer, Ask him to reveal it in this. Why? Because that tests the prophetic word through the word of God, and God will not contradict himself. So if someone says something to you, if someone comes and says, Hey Sean, I just I, I really feel bro. I saw um I saw you in a dream standing with a Chinese shirt on. You need to go to China. Now he can take that, that's an invitation for Sean to go, hey, thanks, bro. I'm going to take that invitation and I'm going to go back to God and go back to the Scriptures to ask what's really being said. He's testing the Word. He's taking time. He's making sure that it is God and not just my own heart for him to go to China. We have to be doing this. We cannot be getting cranky with one another. We have to just keep asking, God, is this you? And what does it mean for me? Is this you? What does it mean for me? because God will reveal it to you what you need to know. Does that make sense? We have to stop fighting with one another and learn how to communicate and love one another. If Sean gives me a a prophecy that he believes that that is, is real, I have to honor him in that. But then I go back to God and I say, God, what are you really saying to me? The reason is, is because in the Old Testament, we see a lot of the Old Testament prophets. This one, Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets, not minor in his gift, just a minor prophet because the book was smaller than some of the major prophets. But Habakkuk leads in a way where he explains the word of God to a people and he leads them into repentance back to God. Prophecy is to lead us Back into the arms of the Father, back into the life with God. That's what prophecy does. It leads us from the place we're in back into Him. Why Habakkuk? Because I, when I've read this first section when I was asking God, I felt exactly like He felt. I believe I felt exactly like what Habakkuk was saying. So Habakkuk won. I'm going to say that a lot and it's even harder to spell and I've written it like 40 times in my notes and I still have to check it every time. But Habakkuk says this in number one, Habakkuk 1 verse 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong, destruction and violence are before me? Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Who's felt like that in 2020? God, where are you? I think I prayed that prayer quite a few times. And I read it, I was like, Habakkuk, he He understands. Lord, where are you? He's standing in a place. He's saying, God, there is so much destruction around me. There is so much hurt. There is so much pain. Where are you in this midst? Where are you? The time, what's taking place is that Babylon is on the rise. Babylon is about to sack the city that Habakkuk's in. They're about to be destroyed. They're about to be overrun. They're about to be taken out. And Habakkuk stands as a a man of God, as a prophet, an oracle to the Lord. And he says, God, where are you? As I read that, I thought, man, that's most of us for 2020. That's the church for 2020. Everyone trying to come up with special words, trying to work out what's going on, this side and that side. But at the end of the day, we go home, we close the door, we say, Lord, where are you in this? Why is your hand not in the midst? Why is there strife after strife? Why are the righteous being hurt? Why are the righteous being tackled? But Habakkuk gets to a place, there's a book I've been reading over the break, by Mark Sayers called The Reappearing Church. And in it he says this, he says, if you are at the end of yourself, you are ripe for for renewal. For renewal to truly come, we must first reach the point where we make a choice to no longer tolerate our current state of being. That's where Habakkuk was. He was in a position where he probably tried a hundred different other things and then he gets to the place where he goes, I have nowhere else to go. I can see the Babylonians on the ridge, they're going to sack the city and I'm going to be lost. And so are all my righteous brothers and sisters. God, we got nowhere else. And that's where God goes, you're finished now. Now I can step in. Finally, you've come to the end of yourself. You're no longer the hero of the story and I'll become the hero of the story. Watch what I'll do in your city. Watch what I'll do in your heart. This revival that we're all seeking, this renewal for the church, this rise of a people comes from, when all of us, myself included, come to the end of ourselves. When we stop making about little old me and we say, God, I can't do this. And as I was praying, I got to the place where I said, God, 2021, I can't do it. I can't do 2021. And God says, awesome, now I can. Finally, you've stopped trying so that I can swing in and take the place and do what I was always meant to do. That's where Habakkuk gets and you know, the beautiful thing is how the Lord responds. The Lord responds by saying this in, chapter, in, in verse 5. He says, Habakkuk, look among the nations. Look and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings that are not their own. He says to Habakkuk, You think I've been distant, but your eyes have been closed. You've not seen what I've been doing among the nations. Look and be amazed. There will be things that you won't even begin to understand. I truly believe that God in this time has been molding and moving. He's been shaking. I've heard a few guys explain it like a chessboard, that pieces have been being moved, that under under our cover, because we haven't been able to see it, God has been moving and readying a people. And we're standing here like, Habakkuk, Lord, what are you doing? And he says, you don't even understand. Look among the nations, be amazed. Look what I've already achieved. Look at the hearts and the hands that I've already laid work to. But then he says something that's challenging. He says, the Chaldeans, the ones who are about to take the city, I've raised them up. I've raised them. I've brought them to the place. And Habakkuk, he gets a little bit upset because he says this. He, He continues on and he says, Um, From verse 12, are you not from everlasting God? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judge. You ordained them and you, O rock, you've established them. You who are pure eyes to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? God, you're the one who's allowing these Chaldeans to take us. But see, the thing is, is that we get caught up as Christians. We get caught up in thinking that our plan is going to be bigger and greater than God's. And we become the chess master. We want to be the one moving the pieces. But Habakkuk gets himself to a position where he says, God, this is a bad plan. You're doing the wrong thing. You, O great one, O holy one, all in all your majesty in all of who you are you've decided to raise these evil people to come and destroy us i know this is a difficult message and this is not the 2021 message that i wanted to bring i would have loved to have said hey the word this year is faith and we're all going to come together and have faith and we clap and go home but this is what god showed me and it brought my it brought me to my knees to say god We are like Habakkuk. We don't understand. We stand in a place where there's things moving outside of our control, where there's things happening, where the righteous, it seems, are losing. Where evil has the upper hand. Where nations are falling apart where pain and suffering is ruling, where a pandemic still, and new strain after new strain, are sweeping nation after nation. Lord, are we not your righteous people? Are we not the ones you said to come and stand and have faith and we will be brought through? But I love what God says in this. Oh, Habakkuk, you don't know what I'm doing. You don't know who I am. You don't know the power in which I've got. You don't know the foresight that I can see the pieces in the future. I know the plans of the enemy. They do not know my plans. If you have faith in me, if you hold tight to me, I will show you where to go. I will show you. So Habakkuk, he has this big whinge. But what he says here is the most important thing. And if we take anything from today, I want you to take this. Habakkuk 2 verse 1. Go on, if you've got a Bible, go to it and we'll read it together. Habakkuk 2 verse 1. Habakkuk, he's had a whinge and then he says this. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk comes to God with an issue. He comes to God with a complaint. He says, these are all the problems. But then he says, Lord, I will now go to the tower, the high place, and I will stand and wait for you to speak. He submits himself to the voice of God. It's not a problem for us to have a whinge. We're humans. We're going to have a quiet whinge. We're going to get upset. We're going to throw our toys out of the cot, we're going to say, God, this is not fair, or that's not fair, or I don't understand. But if we don't do the next part that Habakkuk does, if we do not go to the mountaintop, which is a prophetic picture of prayer, to go up to be with God, if we do not go and wait for His voice, then we just become whinging toddlers that never ever get what God wants us to have. See, we have to wait. We have to ask the question, Lord, what are you doing? And then not just go about our business. I've said this many, many times. Us as Christians, we get upset because we ask God for something. Lord, I want to this or I want to that. I want this gift or I want that thing. And then we go, oh, God didn't answer me. God never answered my prayer. No, you didn't wait long enough. You wanted it now. You wanted the new iPhone today. But Habakkuk said, I will go, Lord, and I will wait for you to answer. We have the right to go and to ask God to respond, but we have to be willing to wait. We have to be willing to hold and wait for him to say, this is what I'm giving you. Don't throw your toys out of the cot and then go, well, God doesn't answer me. I'm I'm done with this. Because God may be waiting To see. And as we see with Habakkuk, he answers him, and God responds with this. He responds with two very clear, distinct messages. The first one is this in Habakkuk 2 2 4. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, Wait for it, it will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous, the righteous shall live by his faith. Edie, if you can just put the slide up for me, just the first one. Thanks. I don't want to stay long on this because we have written this clear on tablets, plain for all to see, but I want to recap it this morning. But what God says to Habakkuk here after he's had a whinge, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is it? How do we beat these? How do we come through this? And then he goes and he waits for the word of the Lord. And the Lord says to him, when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, write it on the tablets. Make it clear to see that those who want to run with you may run with you. Churches, myself included and this house included, have used this verse on a Vision Sunday to explain we're writing it clear, this is the thing. And that's good. That is right. That's what it's saying. But God has given every one of you a vision and a calling and a life to lead. And if you don't know what that is and you say, well, he hasn't given me one, what should we do? Ask him and go to the tower. Ask him and go to the high place. Ask him and go to him in prayer regularly. God, I want to know what my purpose is. I want to know what my plan is. And wait. What if he doesn't tell me tomorrow? Go back the next day. What if he doesn't tell me then? Go back the day after that and go back the day after that and the day after that and say, Lord, I want to know what your plan for me is. But when he tells you, when he tells you, and you don't like it, still write it on the tablet plain to see. Still write it. Why? Because if you don't like it and you go, that's not for me. That wasn't God. And you walk away. You go back to the place of not knowing. And then you go, God never showed me. No, he did. You didn't like what you saw. I've said this many times. I didn't ask to lead a church. Jess and I never asked to lead a church. I asked God what my purpose was. And he drew it on a tablet. And I said, I'll do it. I would have liked police commissioner millionaire, gazillionaire, stock dealer who works three days a week on his computer. I would have liked that on my tablet. But I didn't get that. I didn't see that. But you know, because God's given us a grace, because God's been explaining this to us, I get more and more excited. I am pumped for this year. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to be in these halls. I'm excited to see your faces because God's given me a grace and a joy to do it. But if I didn't write it on the tablet, if I didn't make it clear, none of you could run with us. But God has given all of us a mandate. God has given all of us a vision. God has given all of us a life story. He's given me one individually. He's given Jess and I one together. And he's given one for this house. So for you, if you're married, if you're single, there is a vision and a calling and a purpose and a plan that God's given you. Maddie, God's given you a plan, Paula. God's given you a plan, and he's about to join you together and give you one together. But you have to ask God, what is it? You have to go to the mountaintops. You have to be willing to pray, to seek him, to ask what it is. This is the vision that God gave us for this house. If I can see the next slide, please, Edie. That this is our vision statement to be image bearers of Jesus. Image is an oppression. Sorry, an impression that a person presents to the public. A bearer is a personal thing that carries or holds something. And Jesus, obviously, is the Yahweh, King, Jehovah, Lord, Savior, our author and finisher. This house, we are endeavoring to to become people who carry the image of Jesus, who bear the image of Him, not just here on a Sunday morning when it looks good, but at the petrol station while I'm driving, at work, everywhere. We carry the image of Jesus on our hearts. And we believe that we're going to achieve that through these four pillars. Reformation, focus, discipleship and mission, to take the contemporary expression of the church back to the New Testament pattern, to take the focus off ourselves and put it back onto Jesus Christ to disciple the people who God sends into mature believers and to carry our faith out into the city, the, nations, the, the nation, and the nations, creating disciples wherever God leads us. I'm not claiming that we are going to completely rebuild the entirety of the Christian faith in the West. But for this house, we want to take these scriptures and say, what does God actually say about a community of believers? Let's do that. Was there coffee in there? No, so it doesn't matter. We can have whatever coffee we have. Was there, was there a little doily that covers the, um, the, the tithes and offerings? Uh, sorry, the communion. No, so it's okay. We can have it or not have it. But what is God actually saying about a community of believers? What are we actually supposed to do? They're the things we're going to hold tight to. They're the things we're going to fight for. They're the things we're going to push. The rest, the plants, the lights, it'll come and go. It doesn't matter. But the things that we see God say, we're going to hold on to and we're going to build. As for this house, we will follow the Lord. We will seek and we will do it wrong and we'll have to re refix it, recenter, rebuild. But this is the way that we want to achieve. See that last slide, please. So we need to reform the expression of the church to focus on Jesus in order to disciple the people to go into all the world, the mission field. The mission field is not just the Horn of Africa. The mission field is your grocery store, your neighbor, the waiter that you got upset with because she brought you the wrong fries. That's the mission field. Thank you. That's the mission field. That's the mission field. Yes, there is the Horn of Africa. Yes, there is other areas. Yes, there is a nation, a city, a a community. That is how God designed it. But we are on mission every day. You know, when, when... Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn. That meant that there was, a, there was a unity between man and God. There was an access back into the Holy of Holies. I don't have time to explain the whole thing, but that means that we got to come back in. The Bible says that at that point, we became temples of the Holy Spirit. The temple was destroyed and mankind became temples housing God. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you carry the holiness of, of the temple that was in Jerusalem. Everywhere you go, you carry the holiness of God. That's what the church is. And look, all of us in this room have, have stuffed it up and we'll stuff it up again. But every time I go into a room and I leave it and I think, I didn't represent God. I didn't represent God. You remember at school, I don't know if I had to do this at school. We weren't allowed to. There was a McDonald's that got put up just across the road. I was at a Catholic school and we had a fancy long pants, hat, tie, um, winter uniform. And they banned us from going over to McDonald's because kids were getting into fights and, and getting upset. And the reason was was that you cannot go into McDonald's with your school uniform on because you're representing the school. And while you're there, you give the school a bad name. If you take that and you go, this is not a do the right thing, Ben, be a better Christian, but if we can shift our mindset to go everywhere that I step, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am bringing God to this place. I'm representing, I'm wearing a shirt that says, I am an image bearer of Jesus in this time and in this moment. And it's not be a good Christian so God's happy with you. It's I want you to know Christ. And if that means I've just got to say thank you and please and give you a hug at the end, then I'll do that. Just to get the door creaked open, they say, What's different about you? And then I can rip it open. It's Jesus. What is it? It's Jesus. But I just want the door to be creaked open. I want to present myself in a way where they say there's something different about you. And you know, there's times I was in a I was in a a little while ago, about a year and a half ago, I was in a grocery store, and I had just been talking to somebody about living what you're saying, and and I used an example about paying for somebody's groceries, and I, I kid you not, I'm in the line, and right there, God says, "Will you do it when no one else is watching? The lady in front of me has however much her groceries was. And I just my heart started beating. My, my mouth got dry and I'm standing in the shops. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. How do I do this? So the lady comes out. She has She's all flustered because she's got a trolley full of groceries. A card wouldn't work. She zips off. So I just said to the lady, hey, I'll, I'll pay for it. And the lady was blown away, right? And I was so like, I was just nervous. and I was, I was like, get my stuff quick. I beep and then I turn around and the lady says to the other lady, hey, it's just been paid for. And I froze. I didn't know what to do. So I just hugged her. I was like, oh. Just hugged her and then I left. And I got in the car. And I was so flustered. I was so it wasn't pro at all, I'll tell you, it wasn't I was like it wasn't a Billy Graham moment at all. I was sweaty, I like all but yelled thank you to the lady. I like ran. And I got in the car and I said, God, I didn't even tell her about you. I didn't even mention your name. Like and I'm looking like, Do I go back? Can I get back inside? Like And I just felt this peace come over me. God said, you don't know what that small thing just did. I don't need you to do the whole thing. You don't need to preach the gospel, get them saved, baptize them, disciple them. That's why we're a body. Do your job. Do your small part. Now, don't always cop out and go, oh, no, my small part is just to smile at people as they pass by. No, that is a part of it. But you're going to have a job. You're going to get sweaty palms. You're going to get that thing But what God's saying to us, listen to my voice and do what I ask you to do. Habakkuk, we're a long way from Habakkuk, but let me try and bring us back. Habakkuk was in a position where he said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what you're doing, but I'll come to the mountaintop and I will hear you. God says, give when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, write it and live it out. Don't wait for God to tell you. If you're going to ask God for a husband or a wife and he shows you somebody, it's not a shopping spree. You don't get to go, oh, actually, Lord, can I try that again? No, you asked. He showed you somebody. Don't ask God, God, what's your plan for my life? Well, son, your plan is to go to the Horn of Africa. Now they like that. God, what's the plan for my life? I'll just keep going until he gives me the right thing. God knows you better than you know you. God knows the plan for your life better than you know you. Habakkuk 2 verse 8. How much time do I have? 10 minutes. I've got time. Habakkuk 2 verse 8. The Lord responds with this. Because you have plundered many nations All the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. The remnant will plunder you. The remnant will plunder you. If you look through the Old Testament and you look how many times God uses one person to shift the nation, one, one guy, Moses, Abraham, Gideon, One person, one person shifts an entire nation. There's, what, 50 of us in here? Can we shift 50 nations? (laughs) Sean, come to the front, mate. You're up here. (laughs) You know, and I was praying this morning and I said, Lord, I, I... I love being back. I love worshipping with my brothers and sisters. I love being in a place where we glorify your name together. But God, please, please let us lay aside a club. Let us lay aside the football club or the darts club. Let us not just be a club that comes together. But Lord, help us to be stirred into us. Help us be stirred. This is not a game anymore. Actually, I want to rephrase that. This was never a game. This was never, ever a game. If you look out there, the world is sick, the world is hurt, the world is dying. Now look, I understand we're not all raging evangelists, I get it, I'm, that's not me either. But what's my part to play? What's my part to play? And look, I, I've had people ask, can we do like a gifts course and can we unveil that? Yes, we're going to, it's in planning now, but, but don't wait for that. You don't need me to help explain to you what the gifts are so that you can find out. Go like Habakkuk. Go and ask God, God, what? who am I? And then go to the mountain and wait. Go to your knees and pray, Jesus, reveal who you are. Reveal what it is because the remnant of people is us. We are that remnant that God's talking about. Us and the church up the road and the church up the road and the church up the road. It's us that are left who look to his righteousness as our being, as all that we are. That's the remnant of people. That's who will shift the nation. That's who will see the Gold Coast come to screaming the name of Jesus, to see a city and a nation, the Australia, screaming the name of Jesus. It's done through us. But God is looking for a people like Moses who will go up the mountain. See, the interesting thing about Mount Sinai was that everybody was invited up. All of the Israelites were invited to the top of the mountain. All of the Israelites could have met face to face with God and one man goes and then two men go because Moses invites Aaron. But they all could have gone. What God is looking for is a people like Moses who says, I'll go to the mountaintop." That's the remnant, a people who is willing to go face-to-face with the Lord and say, God, please, can I see more of you? Please, can I see more of you? That's the people. That's the remnant that shifts the nation. That's a people group who move cities, who move mountains. That's the faith that changes a people. What doesn't change a people are the rest who stay down the bottom of the mountain and what happened to them. They shifted their worship from Yahweh to idols. There's example after example after example after example in the scriptures of people who went one way to the world and another who went the other way to God. And it's not about doing good. It's not about, uh, hey, how, how are you doing with this? Oh, I didn't sin at all this week, so I'm up there. yes. Righteousness is key. Yes, live a life. Put away those things of the flesh that are hurting you. Put away the pornography. Put away sleeping together. Put away the um, premarital, I mean. Put away drinking too much. I thought I was going to get some eyes there. Put away the things that lead us away from God. Yes, do that. But the way we walk up the mountain... The way we walk up the mountain is that we go to that place of prayer, whatever it looks like for you, walking on the beach, turning the lights off, sitting in your room, going to your knees, whatever it looks like, whatever your prayer space is, whatever one-on-one with God, taking the scriptures, reading and then meditating, whatever that is, that's the high place. That's going up the mountain. That's going. That's not going, good sermon, Ben, that's going to make us through till next Sunday and hopefully you, you keep me up again next Sunday. Going to the high place is you taking responsibility for your walk with God and saying, God, I want to be a part of this thing. How do I be a part of the remnant? How do I walk with you in a way that allows me to shift nations? Now look, we shift nations after we've shifted a small little thing, a rock, and then a bit bigger of a rock. No one's asking you to go to the horn of Africa and start preaching from a stage. But start asking God, what's my part? What's my place? How do I show you? How do I reveal you? What's the next step? What's the next thing? What's the bigger part? It's the same with how we disciple. One to one, then two to one, then three to one. Then they send off and we start one to one again. Small leads us into the things, but God is revealing stuff to you. I'm going to end with this. Habakkuk 2, sorry, I've lost my spot, Habakkuk 3. I'm going to read all of this. And I just want you to, if you want to read along, you can, but if not, just close your eyes and just listen to the things that Habakkuk says in in his final prayer. He's been backwards and forwards discussing with God about, you know, this is a terrible situation, God, how do you help? And he ends with this, and I think this is so fascinating for the time and season we're in. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear? In the midst of the years, receive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teiman in the holy mountain Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him. Went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth, he looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered, the everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. "'I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. "'The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. "'Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? "'Was your anger against the rivers? "'Or your indignation against the sea? "'When you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation, "'you stripped the sheath from your bow. "'Calling for many arrows, you split the earth with rivers. "'The mountains saw you and withered. "'The raging waters swept on. "'The deep gave forth its voice.' It lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glistening spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors. Who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret? You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters are here and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones and my legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invaded us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive field and the fields yield no fruit, the flock be cut out from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on high places. This is the same position that Job came to when Job was in his mess and asking God who he was. Job didn't remember who God was. And you know what God said to Job? Fine, let me show you who I am. He takes him into a vision and he reveals the creation. What God says to Habakkuk is, Habakkuk, you've forgotten who I am. You've forgotten My power, you're questioning the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. You don't think that I know your enemies? You don't think I've already destroyed your enemies? You don't think that you, Habakkuk, are in the safety of my hands if you would just trust me and understand? While I was writing this, God reminded me that he has defeated the Babylonian Empire, the Egyptian Empire, the Nazi Empire, the Soviet Empire, the Mount Chinese Empire, we can keep going. We can go all day. Of people who tried to sack righteousness, to overthrow righteousness. And time and time and time and time again, God prevailed. Sickness after sickness and God prevailed. Time and time and time again, God prevailed. What he's asking Habakkuk to do is remember who I am. Remember who I am. Remember my power, remember my glory, remember my majesty and trust that I know who you are and I know your enemies. God knows the mountain before you. He knows the giant you stand before. He knew how strong Goliath was when David stepped into battle. He knew what David would have to do, the heart he would need. David trusted God in this time that we're in where it seems like unrighteousness is reaping havoc, where we seem like sickness and illness and politics and you name it, wealth problems, job security, when all these things are before us and it seems like the Babylonians are on the door, they're going to sack the city. God knows your enemy. And he says, remember me. Remember who I am. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm all that you are, but come to the mountain. Come to me. Sean started singing that song in worship. I've created a place for you. Jesus' death on the cross allowed us into that place. Don't take that for granted. Don't take what was done on the cross for granted. Once a year, a priest could go into the Holy of Holies. Now we can go every day. Every day. That's what Christ did. That's the significance of the finished work of the cross, bringing us into communion and oneness. So why don't you stand and we're just going to pray. Jesus. Father, God, I just ask right now, Lord, that you sober our minds, Lord, let us understand exactly what it is you did for us in that hour. Let us understand the position you put us in. The power and the might that you've allowed us to stand in. God, as we feast at your table, And our enemies go berserk around us. Let us remember who we sit with. God, let us remember who it is who invited us to that table. Let us remember the power, the glory, the might that you carry to allow that table to take place. God, help us to see your glory again. Lord, let us understand that this is not just a game. We're not playing Christianity. This is not a club. God, encourage us that our life is important. God, I pray right now that every person in this room, I break off whatever whatever voice is telling them that they're not important. Whatever voice is telling them that they are insignificant, I break it off right now in Jesus' name. You have no place. You leave now in Jesus' name. That as people rest their heads tonight, on their pillow, they know that they are important and a son of the Most High, a daughter of the Most High, a priest and an heir to you, Lord, that their life is important, that the plan and vision you've put in them is important. And God, right now, I just reignite the dreams, the visions, the calling that you've put in people. Father, the pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, Lord, reignite the visions that you've given people long ago. It's not over. It's not finished. God's purpose and plan has not changed. The blueprint he gave you is still valid. It did not go out of date. Father, let us go back and revisit the things that you've said. And Lord, let us help us to honor and glorify you in our life. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We honor your beautiful name. Amen.